Welcome to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of identity and healing with your host, Dr. Laura Polak, a somatic healer and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Yay, I am in the house with Willie Farales. I'm super excited to talk to you today. But before we do, I want to remind everybody that we launched the Queer Body website. We will be hosting classes. All of the podcasts are there. And if you want to reach any of our amazing podcast ease all of the information about how to reach them how to take classes with them what to do with them will be there under resources also for the beginning of this month the first 30 members are free of charge so if you are interested in the queer body website go there queerbody.com and with that being said we're going to try something really cool and new which is to have you introduce yourself willie (laughs) Thanks, Laura. It's so good to be here with you. I'm excited. Um, Yeah, you know, so I have I have my my long form bio in front of me. And I guess I have to start with with just naming, you know, how I aspire to do things and show up in spaces is, um, you know, a, a praxis in and of itself. So how I'm introducing myself, including naming that, you know, the transparency of it is part of it. Try to be in a way that draws attention and clarifies the various levels, frameworks, you know, uh, what's taken is given and also illuminate what's beyond what we maybe take for granted as, as the, the bounds. I love that. And, you know, just for some of our people who are newer to different things, what does praxis mean? A practice aspiring toward um, certain values and intentions and as a work in in progress. So I'm I'm doing this thing according to those things and seeing how it goes and, you know, redoubling on itself and continuing. So a living practice um, driven by those values. Awesome. That's a beautiful way to start. Let's hear it. (laughs) Yeah. So that said, you know, I I write this this bio in, in the first person you know, to try to relocate ourselves, our subjectivities. Mm. So my name is Willie Ferales. Use he pronouns or they pronouns. Anything that feels true and offered with love. I'm brown-skinned, mixed race, queer, cis male-ish being. And I feel at home with the narratives of the bisexual community. I was raised into white adjacency and was heavily oriented toward assimilation into whiteness until my mid-20s grad school when my project of decolonization and uh, returning to myself began in earnest. I bear the lineages of peoples who survived colonization in what is now known as the Philippines and El Salvador. And I carry the lineage of German-American Salvadoreño migrants Uh, which includes ancestors who served in the United States military before moving to Central America. And I also bear the lineage of my stepfather, who comes from a family of German and Italian descended, multi-generational, white military family in the United States. I live on what I understand to be Ramaita Shaloni land, which is colonized in San Francisco, California. I pay land tax to the Ramaita Shaloni 
I hold a master's degree in somatic counseling psychology. I'm currently working toward licensure as a therapist. I work at UCSF in the Center of AIDS Prevention Studies, you know, where I bring my skills, voice, and insight around intersectional cultures, systems of oppression as they present in, you know, the, the studies that we're, we're working on and in research and academic institution more broadly. Currently training facilitator for uh, Mindful MNDFL is the name of the company. Uh, their mindfulness intensive training. Yeah, so I served on the steering committee um, for two years for a monthly call for the Mankind Project in Northern California. The monthly call was devoted to programming and engagement around race and racism. And I have facilitated fitness instructor trainings for Les Mills in the United States, training how to teach these certain fitness classes, as well as ongoing development workshops. And I've also given a uh, talk on embodiment, somatically oriented fitness coaching, and been on panels for uh, mental health, authenticity, vulnerability, LGBTQ plus experience um, for the Les Mills instructor community. And among many others, I'm inspired by the works of Pema Chodron, Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, John Wellwood, Kim Tallbear, Audre Lorde, Wilhelm Wright. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just very happy to be here. My goodness, with all that, I'm honored to be here with you. You are a very well-educated and well-living, purposed human. I aspire. I've had a lot of help. <laughs> a lot of, lot of help. Well, people can, people can say all the things, but it, it feels like you're really doing the work, like you're living it. And so I appreciate that even in your introduction, you're talking about living it in purpose in this moment, in the next moment, and so on. Yeah, you know, I mean, one of the, you know, I love the work of Pema Chodron. She's a, a Buddhist nun, Canadian. Well, she's, um, you know, in Canada now. And I was listening to an interview with her recently. And um, she talks about awakening as um, being inevitable. Mm. And um, talks about like how when the conditions are there, when the appropriate conditions are there, it happens. Yeah, um, that it's inevitable for all of us. So I guess that's that's what immediately comes to mind um, in terms of yeah, in terms of this, I've, I have a lot of uh, gratitude, you know, for like certainly there's something about my my soul, my personality, my spirit, and the conditions have been set by so so many. <laughs> for sure, for sure, including yourself. I mean, there's the scaffolding we have to build to have the safety and wherewithal to undo the cultural conditioning and be with what is showing up. Yeah. So I raise you up as well as all of the lineage and people that went before. So then let me dive right in. Let's dive in. What is your definition of being queer, my friend? <laughs> so I love, 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 you know, I was speaking to you earlier about Kim Tallbear, this indigenous scholar who I, I came across her work during, during the pandemic. She's written a lot of things on with genomics and uh, decolonial and non-colonial frameworks of uh, relationship, kinship, sex, sexuality, and you know, has a blog, Critical Polyamorist. 
and now has a podcast, other things like that. And I, I, I love like listening to her. She talks about colleagues and friends of hers, you know, and, and within queer theory, this you know, definition of queer that holds as part of it in, in being intrinsically in opposition to the state. So I always start there. <laughs> well, but you know, I, that that's a great little sound chunk, but I'm the queen of like, let's unpack yeah. that. What does that mean? Tell me Absolutely. more. Let's, of course, there's more. That is just the jumping off point. So, you know, <laughs> as, I, as I've done my own, yes, I, I you know, I identify as queer in this culture, you know, um, in, in our society. I you feel sexually romantically attracted to folks who are not of, you know, my, my counterpart primary, you know, gender, how I'm identified as, as male mostly. Right. So I'm interested in, in men. I'm interested in you know, also women and there's that aspect of it. But as I've come to understand myself and started to unpack a lot of my healing, um, what I've found, and I think Kim Tallbear's work really highlights this, that it's not, you know, um, our, our tendency in, in Western society is to, to kind of isolate and objectify things like sexuality and spirituality and parcel them out. And there's this hyper focus on these categories and boxes that don't actually exist independently of, of other things. I've started to, the, the best framework for my own healing has been one of decolonization because the oppression that I felt around my emotions, around my sexuality, around my gender, around my race, you know, just keep pointing back to the same sort of structure. And I have a lot mm -hmm. of Wilhelm Reich to thank for that. You know, he talks about biological mm -hmm. rigidity and the mass psychology of fascism and the attempts to regulate, you know, to restrict and, and regulate sexuality, expression, organic expression. And, you know, that doesn't need, you know, it doesn't need regulation. It's its own kind of thing. So we do a lot of work in, in that regard. And so, yes, there was the parts that were my, my romantic and relational and sexual affinity that broke conventional norms of it wasn't just, you know, who, I, who we identify as women, but also, you know, it was woven into the ways that this, you know, society and, and my parents as, you know, as a, as a relay for society you know, oppressed and regulated my emotional expression more broadly. Yeah. Can you, can you make it a little more simple for me? So like yeah. in, in basic form, you're saying, Hey, even as, as queer people, mm -hmm. sometimes we take down the monogamy track. Yeah. Hey, I can only feel love for one person. I can only have spiritual connection through sex with one person. And you're saying that I'm missing something. Sure. So when I'm talking about queerness, like I also have appreciated definitions that um, say, you know, it's, it's what doesn't have current definitions within um, our conventions and language. You know, it's yes. what's still becoming, it's what's still unknown, unnamed, unboxed, so to speak. So it's perfect outside of system of, of, you know, so there's a way in which my queerness, yes, has to do with sexuality, has to do with gender, but also has to do with so many other things of how I'm a human being. 
You know? Yeah. Thank you for that. I think, I think that is really, truly, as I've moved on with the show, realized that um, for me, queerness is also about politics. It is about race. It's about class. It's about gender. It's about all of the ways that we're culturally shaped and sculpted mm-hmm. and the ways that we can unhook from that. And so sometimes when I'm sitting here with wonderful people like you, I start to see this opening into a new world that I'm like, I don't know what the heck he's talking about <laughs> because that is the praxis. It's like you are on the edge of something new, but yet because it's new, we don't quite have the bridge between the old ways of seeing things mm-hmm. and the new ways of th- seeing things. So as much as you can break that down for me, I I would love to understand what you're saying about all that because it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's you know it's fascinating because it's it's really this weird task of trying to point point to the water, you know, that we're like it's everywhere. It's all yes, you know, like yes, it's ah, the air. Right. So you know the, these things that that we that we take as given, we learn to identify, um, relate to ourselves, relate to other people. You know, I, through boxes like gender. Right through uh, what's what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. You know that a lot of theory around you know race and anti-racism now is talking about you know racism is it's not just about the laws that say you know black people this, white people that, brown people this, etc. It's about the the norms, conventions, ethics, values. So it's about culture. You know, it's about yes how we do things and all that it's in the, you know, it's in the language it's in, um, you know, for those who maybe studied rhetoric, it's in, it's in the rhetoric of language. It's in the rhetoric of um, aesthetics, you know, it's in the architecture, it's in city planning and grids. It's, it's the values that determine, you know, what's pretty, what's not, what's good enough, what's not from, you know, at every level. Um, mm-hmm. So, so it really is every everywhere, which is which makes it kind of hard to to point out every every place. Yeah. So you know, as I, as I talk about you know looking back through queer history, you know, early on with like queer rights, and then moving into the AIDS you know pandemic and crises, there were always kind of. Uh, camps, you know, ideas of thoughts that were very broad, very diverse. And then there were also these movements that were, you know, like, let's find a way to to fit in, you know, to fit into the structure as is. So we have, you know, those forces like marriage equality fits into that. Mm -hmm. Let's just get the same rights. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't serve to dismantle you know, the oppressive structures themselves and all the other ways that they, they oppress. So there are still people that get left out, you know, but some are able to fit in and race works the same way and gender works the same way. We can talk about how, you know, to some degree, some might argue, at least in certain fields, women's, you know, acceptability within certain places hinges on how masculine <laughs> they, they can present by mm-hmm. adopting the values you know, by mm-hmm. assimilating. So it's, you know, again, I really like this colonization framework because it's about, you know, assimilating into dominant framework or or not, or existing um, in kind of a more diverse plurality of like, you know, like it's all just different. That's, there's, there's not just the one framework, like humanity and what's indigenous to humanity is mm-hmm. 
way more diverse than um, the organization and trappings of, you know, quote unquote, the state, uh, otherwise to say how society is structured, you know, racialized capitalism, right? We can talk mm -hmm. about how even though we have brilliant scientific communities, um, AIDS research has been going on forever. Still, um, you know, there's been so much advancements, medications, etc. And those that are still suffering, predominantly Black, trans, right? Those who are marginalized in other ways, right? Those who fall outside of all the ways that um, the state or, you know, in other words, common society can recognize a human being good, acceptable, mm -hmm. regular, normal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll mm -hmm. pause there. It's a number of things. Okay. I really love the way you're speaking to this because I think it makes it user-friendly for everybody. And I think, like you said in the very beginning, when you're trying to point to the water and it's in everything, it's kind of hard to see where we are hooked in and where we're not. And so I think to have it broken down to, you know, marriage equality, equal to what? If we're really queer and if we're embracing that word in this conversation, then why are we, why not create something new? What would it look like from a queer perspective? If we really unhooked from the colonization of the water we drink, the air we breathe, what, what would that look like? And as we grow, what does that look like from, you know, mm -hmm. I talk a lot about ACT UP, Queer Nation, those days mm -hmm. to now. What does it look like now that you can go buy a t-shirt that says queer on the front of it mm -hmm. at Target? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? Have, where is the assimilation? Where do we become the leaders of this movement? Yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate everything you're bringing to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, you know, it's it's fascinating, right? In grad school, I um, encountered the work of this man, Eduardo Duran, and he's a Jungian psychologist and, um, you know, has Indigenous American background and has, you know, after getting his degree, you know, was kind of called into service by, you know, various um, Indigenous peoples to kind of do the work of translating. Basically, you know, mm -hmm. uh, making legible like this idea of legibility. And because in a lot of ways, you know, Western culture, society, capitalism, patriarchy, all that kind of they, they, it relies on, again, like kind of boxes, things that are still in concrete and measurable and nameable. And they're always like this. Men are always like this. And only men mm -hmm. are like this because women are different. They're only like this always. Right. And mm -hmm. the nature of things is far less static. Right. It's, it's more subtle. Mm -hmm. It's more nuanced. It's changes. It's fluid. Like so much of, you know, queer culture and like, like, you know, like and demi fluid and, and this and that, like so, so many things. And the nature of life is, is like that. Nature of humanity is like that. And what, you know, Dwarf Duran kind of presented and I learned from was like, a, a, there are a lot of indigenous cultures. And he spoke mainly to indigenous American cultures that understand that, that talk about process and change. And their languages are actually more, some languages are actually more verb based compared to like our language, English and Western languages are more noun based, fixated, 
you know, so there's mm. the, the fluidity mm. in the way that people see and process the world. So when we talk about queerness, there are many that, that talk about, right, going back to that idea of queerness is what doesn't yet have a nameable form. So it's an always, pro- there are, mm-hmm. there's always going to be a horizon of queerness, always, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. as we continue mm-hmm. to name things, there's always be something beyond it. Right. So there's this idea of that, <laughs> you know, how do we continue to, to, to not just, you know, make space for everything that is present now, but how do we set the conditions to go to kind of some of Rev Angel's work? How do we set the conditions, you know, that allow us to continue to make space for what we don't know in perpetuity? How do we, how do yes. we allow for that? Mm-hmm. How do we allow space for self-determination? Self-determination is so much about it. Like, okay, well, if you can, you know, if you can fit two people who cohabitate just like straight couples, you know, who we've centered our society around, because remember the, 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 you know, and Kim Talbert talks a lot about the colonial project being stripping land away from the native inhabitants and parceling it out to men more acreage for their wives and more acreage for each child. So then we have the centering of the nuclear family and the institutionalization of compulsory monogamy as the norm and as the celebrated relationship structure. And Kim Talbert contrasts that with a web of kinship. Which, yes, there might be, you know, romantic mm-hmm. relationships, familial relationships. Some, you know, cultures also had like multiple parallel, you know, marriages. But, you know, those were, quote unquote, what we call romantic relationships may not have been as central as we focus on here in this society. And, and that's as in the structure of the establishing of this land as, as we know it occupied by the United States and the culture that, that we're, we're still living in, you know, like that's the language and rhetoric it was set in. So what does it mean to think outside of that? You know, what does it mean to, mm-hmm. to, to make space to cultivate um, the other indigenous, you know, impulses and needs that come through when we start to pull away the brush, the weeds, the conditionings, you know, the norms, patterns, you know, what, what else emerges? Um, so, yeah, those, mm-hmm. are, those are some of the things I, I think about most. But, you know, for a lot of us, it's going to be, you know, like it's 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 a lot to <laughs> to try to step outside of that. To like, <laughs> you know, we're like <laughs> generations deep into this, I think. Yeah. Know, appreciate it. Yeah. And it, it's inspirational, right? There's mm-hmm. where the creativity, I mean, even mm-hmm. in... So as we transition over into kind of the more healing piece, um, you know, but I always think of always, I often think of creative energy, inspirational, a new way of looking at the world as a sexual energy. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing is birthing a new vision for our families, for our lives, for our queer community. And in doing so, I often say with the work that I do that, this idea of taking a swab off the cheek of your mouth and putting it in a Petri dish and then isolating it from everything and watching something grow is archaic. That is no way to measure health. We have to put ourselves back into what are you breathing? What are you drinking? What are you swimming in? Who's around you? What's being said to you? And so the same things that we're talking about with the colonialization of our beings is also true of our health and of our bodies and when we unhook ourselves from 
that dominant paradigm as well, now we have a querying of a healthcare system, which is also incredibly difficult for the dominant culture. And I know that, goodness gracious, I don't even know which somatic practice you want to speak to, but I would love to hear a little bit about how you've decolonized somatics. Yeah, I think so So much of what you're speaking to, right? And I think about colonization and I think about the assertion of one way of viewing things, you know, and kind of bulldozing everything else. It's a very, we can talk about uh, masculine, masculinist energy. You know, when I, when I say that, you know, what I mean, like, you know, in, in grad school, talked about um, feminist methodology compared to masculinist methodology. <laughs> and so as a methodology. Okay. I wish everybody could see your head bob with that because <laughs> you know the audio, they can't see the head bob that goes with both of those. <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry. Not, no, 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 not at all. It's funny. It's like, you know, because I, I think like academia has its has its strengths and has its tools and its its precision. It's, you know, the rigorous precision is definitely one of its strengths. And this piece was very, very heady and abstract, but I gotten so much out of it. And that's, you know, that um, a masculinist methodology is like, you know, kind of the, the, tra- the tradition of, you know, cause effects, like, I'm, 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 I'm not actually being subjective in what I choose to observe and what I choose to, you know, collect as data. And this proves that like that's not, and then a feminist methodology is relational. So it's like, okay, well, I'm situated from here. So this is my vantage point on this. And I'm looking at all the things that relate to it, what's informing me and the way I'm viewing it and how my interacting with what I'm observing is affecting what I'm observing and all the different things. So it's about Mm -hmm. um, relationship and tracing the frameworks, you know? So like, what are the somatic practices that help me to kind of, you know, write this right patriarchal skew and help me to, to, to bring in the, these different frameworks. So I think most somatic practices are going to be like that anyway, in my experience, because they involve listening mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and letting things speak for themselves mm-hmm. to some degree. And then, you know, various different degrees, actually this, this set of practices that I've come to call arriving I, that I do before Tonglen when I, when I offer this practice on Fridays and it's, a mix of things, but mainly kind of like a centering and presence and just like a, a mapping out. Well, what, what is, what I'm experiencing? Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> you know, where, where it comes from, you know. Yeah. Is there anything you want to say before leading us through that about your experience as, I don't know if you would call yourself a healer, but I'll call you a healer in a colonized world like so you you talked about it a lot about the queerness is there a bridge there that you want to talk about before you lead us into this arriving practice i don't know that there is you know yeah like i mean i can i can say like with language you know i'd I'd had healer on on my business card for a while and i've been kind of in dialogue so again a live praxis querying. They're like, is that the language I want to use? I don't really know. Am I an agent of healing? Like, what are we actually, you know, so that's, I'm in ongoing dialogue about that. But um, 
that's that's also epic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Right, that's I'm, I'm steeped in, in many different traditions and lineages. Yeah. Uh, that lead toward, yeah, you know, healing coming into right relationship with self, with the universe, more harmony, more ease. All right. Well, then I'm going to add to it just for my listeners that, you know, a lot of us have been told that the time to listen to our bodies is when we're in pain Mm. or when something is wrong. Mm. And as soon as we get a message that something is wrong, then we need to go to a map maker, which in our culture is a medical doctor. And that the medical doctor then says, this is what you have and this is how you handle it. And within all the things that Willie has spoken to so eloquently, it gets boxed. Mm -hmm. And then the box is you have X, Y, Z and the treatment for it usually is a drug or surgery. Mm -hmm. And that, a lot of the practices in in the new thought, in the queering of health is about how we know our bodies, ourselves, and how we can heal by showing up for ourselves and witnessing what's in our bodies and being present for ourselves as opposed to turning ourselves over to someone else to tell us how we're supposed to handle something in our body. And even with that, I will bring it back into pleasure. Like it's a radical act to feel pleasure in your body. Yeah. It's not sexual. Just I'm, my body feels great. I love how I'm breathing. I love how I'm digesting right now. Mm. I love that my heart is beating. I love, there's so many things to love about our miracle bodies that we're not taught. Mm-hmm. So as we move into this practice of accepting, I kind of want to re structure, reframe, help our listeners and you and I like look at it from the perspective of this is us diving into ourselves Mm -hmm. and reclaiming our power of our own divine healing, whatever the language is. I'm not a language master. Mm -hmm. I'm an exploration, curious, wondrous creature. But (laughs) what the answer is, I'll leave to someone else. (laughs) Did you say um, map maker when you were talking about doctors? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because that's, that's been, you know, recently the main metaphor I've been using when I, when I share, you know, the Tonglen practice with folks, Mm -hmm. you know, in the Buddhist tradition, um, there's this thing of a finger pointing to the moon is not the moon, Mm -hmm. you know? This is just a, it's, it's, it's pointing the way, but, and another, another metaphor is, you know, you might use this raft to cross the river, but you know, you don't have to carry the raft on your back, you know, through the forest and onward it's done. Like that's not, the raft wasn't the point, you know, the point is getting across doesn't really matter. You can use many things to get there. Yes. Um, Yes. And like this finger pointing to the moon over here may not be useful if there's a big boulder between you and that finger, you know, like if you can't even see it. So um, I, I love this idea of mapping because, you know, I've attended to a, many different traditions and, you know, of, you know, wisdom and science and all of this that have, that are mapping, you know, and, and they've held a lot of relevance and because they're centered in their perspective, um, aren't always relative to my direct experience 
yeah. my positionality in the world. Yes. So I always offer to people, you know, um, I'll share some stuff that has made sense to me. And a lot of it may resonate for you. And, you know, you're mapping from where you are. I, I, I will never be there. So I trust you and your heart and knowing to eventually find, you know, okay, there's this piece, though, that doesn't fit and doesn't make sense. Or doesn't have, There's something else. There's yes. something else which is something that Rev Angel talks a lot about as well, you know, in her work as being, you know, a, a black woman in, in the, the world of um, Buddhism, in American Buddhism, predominantly, you know, white Buddhism. Yeah. So to share that and also to share, yeah, this, this idea, uh, one more thing I'll, I got excited, so I'll share is I, I really have loved the framing of Eros, and, you know, I think of Audre Lorde and her talking about the erotic, like in the ways that sexuality is something very specific in our culture and our language. And, um, you know, Kim Tolliver talks about the West objectifies sexuality as something kind of parceled out. I like the word eros because for me, it's the energy of life. It's creativity, you know, so it's all of the sensuality. And some of that happens when we put our genitals together and, you know, it also is death and it also is sorrow and grief. And when I started to open to, you know, Eros in the bedroom and welcome in sorrow and grief, like it just opened up so much as well as so much everywhere else, you know, to allow that, that charge. So I don't know. I just wanted to offer that. It felt alive for me. Thank you. I appreciate you offering that. Wonderful. Do you feel complete with this part? Are you ready to start with the next piece? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So I think you're going to lead us in a practice that you use. If you would explain what Tonglin is Mm -hmm. before you do that, I think we're ready to go with the next piece. So I think um, what I actually like to um, offer is something is not Tonglin. Um, Sure. This is the what you usually do right before it, though, yeah. correct? Yeah. So I think a lot of, I mean, I know I didn't know what that word was. Mm-hmm. So if you would just, so that people aren't going, Googling, like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, you know, so I, I was um, sharing, I was, I was uh, speaking with Laura earlier. I, I um, share this practice of Tonglen, comes from the Buddhist tradition, uh, translates to the practice of sending and taking also known as the practice of exchanging self for other. And it's a practice of cultivating compassion. And it's by, you know, breathing in the experience of pain or suffering of another being and experience like becoming intimate. This is my working understanding of it. I'll just name that. Yeah. Becoming intimate with that experience in my own, my own personal experience of that energy, as well as all the things that come up around that energy for me, how I react, how I respond, how I shut off. And through becoming very, very exquisitely intimate with the terrain of that, it opens me to the intuitive wisdom of what that kind of energy needs, what it doesn't need, what it won't react well to. And I start to be able to identify that energy all around me when it shows up and see it for what it is. Oh, mm-hmm. that person is in that. I know that pain. Mm-hmm. You know, 
rather than that person is a you know, fucking asshole. You know, you know, like, oh, I know. <laughs> oh, no, I know what's going on there. You know, it's, so it's yeah. And Got so, it. um, this that's not actually the practice I'm going to share. <laughs> no, I know that, but you do yes. offer that on Friday nights with yes. Rev Angel. Friday, Friday um, mornings, yeah. Friday mornings, and it's kind of midday if you're on the East Coast. But um, and we'll have the links for how you can do that. And this yeah. is the precursor to that, correct? Yes, and this is not this is not part of that tradition. Well, I'll no. This is the Willie tradition. Yes. This is what I've kind of pulled together. Um, and some of it is from, comes from Buddhist influenced um, teachers that I've, that I've come across. Um, but really it's just a, it's a, it's a way of broadening the lens of how I'm experiencing and making meaning of this moment and recontextualizing it into my greater experience as well as the things that inform my experience. Beautiful. That was nice to, to name. I haven't said it quite like that before. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Shall we? Please. Next? Okay. So, yeah. So how, how I usually invite people to begin is in no particular way. We're already there. There's no right way to do this. Um, so I just invite you into the clumsiness of this moment, sidling up to this person who's here. We're arriving to this moment in practice, just allowing your kind of awareness to just see whatever it sees, what it's like to be in your body, quality of energy, your noticing, feelings, thoughts, kind of like zooming out at the ecosystem What's going on in your awareness? Making lots of space. There's room for everything. And then acknowledging and feeling into the ways that this moment, arriving to this moment, is an arriving here from the last few hours of the day. You know, often we can show up to a practice and then we brush everything off and now I'm centered and clear and ready. And this is actually inviting the opposite it's all here. So just the last few hours where you've been, the versions of yourself, the thoughts and feelings, the attitudes, the virtues and the messiness, the rhythms, pace, and acknowledging, feeling how this experience arriving to this moment is an experience of arriving here from the journey across this week. This is how it feels like to be in a body that's slept as much as yours has, that's experienced the regularity or irregularity that yours has this week, fed in the ways that yours has been fed, so has had the amount of greens and grease and substances, medication, adrenaline, dissociation, Grief, excitement, exposure to the elements, illness, bleeding, sex, and then acknowledging and feeling the ways that arriving to this moment in this body is how it feels to be arriving here in a body that's been living through, weathering, growing within this season of your life, whatever that means for you, whatever the season has been. Could be a season of losses or of new beginnings, darkness, 
the literal climate and all the things that this body, this being, this mind has strengthened to become acclimated to the demands of this season. The things that have been sprouting and growing this season has held conditions for. And those things that have been numbed out to adjust to the demands of the season. And feeling into the ways that arriving here to this moment is arriving here. This is the experience of arriving here from the arc of your entire life, from the beginnings. Whatever of this experience and energy you know to have been there, burning of this feeling and unfolding into the world that was there in the same way back then. The ways you know this experience is informed by all the things that have happened, the evolutions, the losses, the foreclosures, that which has been added, which is now possible, that which is still inflamed, that which is neatly boarded up, that which is integrated and comfortably archived in its place. That everything, all of that history and the way it's been stored informs how we're experiencing this moment, the threats and possibilities, all that history alive by fact, by residue or imprint. This is the feeling of your entire life arriving to this moment and acknowledging, maybe able to notice and sense the ways that this arriving, this experiencing, this identifying mind that's arriving is actually the mind things older and greater than what we know of as our self. And as this mind and heart was taking shape, learning how to navigate and make sense of a world. It's being shaped by the hearts and minds that were already in motion in a certain speed, frequency, character of our parents, their sufferings, their hopes, their gifts, their own erotic becoming. That was the template from which we began to map how to read ourselves into the universe. The dynamics, histories, and conditions of our early caregivers in communities are arriving to this moment. The self that we feel, the world that we perceive, informed by the lineages of our social inheritances, those with similar bodies, similar energies as ours, that the world was already long in dialogue with, responding to, presenting a certain world to them, opportunities, limitations, and our guides, inspirations, those that resonate with the truth within us still to become, calling it forth. This experience, informed by all of that and by everything else, all the noise, this is what we might call our seat, our one positionality in the fabric of all things and time. So we'll close actually with a short, short, short practice, the practice of a bow to learn from Pema Chodron. First part being we call taking our seat, which we've been doing. The second part, softening our heart, softening this selfness as it's woven into the fabric of everything else. And the last part, offering the gesture of giving, the gesture of releasing everything that is self back into the one 
totality of all the rest with a gesture of a bow. So I'll make words because it's an audio show, but we're kind of to the speechless part, y'all. <laughs> I'm making sound waves just so that you know that I'm still with you. Um, that was a really beautiful practice. Thank you, Willie. Yeah, thank you. It was a gift to share. Mm-hmm. Beautiful to receive. So with that, I'm going to end our show. Willie is very gifted. I got to meet him at Rev Angel's work. And I hope you all check him out in resources and see ways to connect. Is there anything that you need to share with our listeners before we sign off? Thank you. Your hearts are our hearts. Keep queer in y'all. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Laura, so much. Thank it's you. Much to be here with you. Yeah. Back at you. You've been listening to the Queer Body Podcast where we are redefining the edges of queer identity and healing. For more information about Dr. Laura Polak or our podcast, check out our website, communityholistichealth.com. Thank you for listening.